Kathy. And this is Inez. And as you know, together we are XX Will Travel. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 2, where we're going to be talking about the Motor City, which if you don't know, you should know, (laughs) it's Detroit. Yes. Michigan. Exactly. Yeah, so Detroit has a storied history as the center of the automotive industry, as the center of Motown, like awesome music, until it all crumbled. (laughs) Exactly. And you're probably wondering, why would anyone want to go to Detroit? But I'm here to school you on that. (laughs) Right? Somebody has to, and it might as well be Inez. Exactly. (laughs) So Inez, why in the world (laughs) would anyone want to go to Detroit, Michigan? All right, fellow listeners, this is how I came I came about going. As you know, I take an annual trip for my birthday because it falls so close to Memorial Day weekend. I usually go somewhere nearby, you know, to save time and money. And this time I chose Detroit, which is only a six-hour bus ride slash train ride away from Chicago. The reason I was interested in was three. One, I'm a really, really big fan of Motown, and I thought I needed to go and pay my respects. Two, I read Middlesex whenever whenever it was published. Yes, yes. If you want to learn what happened in Detroit, like, read Middlesex. Yeah, Middlesex is amazing um, by Jeffrey Eugenides. I'm sure we both botched that. <laughs> um, but it, it is, I mean, an epic saga of a Greek family that immigrates to the States and lands in Detroit. But more than anything, it really does kind of give you an overview of the city, you know, of both like its glory days and then kind of its demise. And I thought it fascinating. I thought it was a little bit of a cosmos of kind of the 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 greatest things about the United States and also like the most awful things, you know, just kind of this epicenter of the extremes. And I really wanted to view it. And the third reason was also that being or living in a city like Chicago, where we're constantly told that we are going to be the next Detroit and we're constantly put in the national media as the center of violence and everything that is wrong with pretty much everything, especially when it comes to crime, when it comes to guns, when it comes to uh, Midwest politics for myself, what Detroit was like, because that's not how I feel about Chicago. I actually think it's, it's, it's just kind of taken this metaphorical resonance in the United States, which is not necessarily the case on a day-to-day basis. And I had a little bit of a suspicion that Detroit, which is basically described as an apocalyptic wasteland, yeah. was also not the same. And I wanted to see it for myself. Well, and like the similarities between Detroit and Chicago are very big. Like The manufacturing backbone of Chicago is eroding really rapidly. We're both beautiful old cities on the water, on the lake. We're both incredibly segregated cities. (laughs) Like, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I can't say anything more than that, but like, yeah, Detroit, Milwaukee, Chicago, never shall the twain meet when it comes, what, how do you say that? Never the thrice shall meet or never? (laughs) Anyway, not a lot of integration in, in, Oh, when it comes to integration. Yes. No, they're totally screwed. They're totally screwed. Although, to be fair, I mean, New York actually has us beat, so all you East Coasters don't think that you've saved yourselves from the plight that is racial segregation Uh, in the States. You could be the next Detroit, New York. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, So you took a bus from Chicago. 
I did. I took the Greyhound bus um, from Chicago to Detroit, and then on my way back, I took the train. I found both experiences to be quite easy and quite pleasant. I mean, they take roughly around the same time, and the train is more expensive than the bus, though. I think what you gain in the train is more than anything space and comfort, because it mostly goes empty. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but when it comes to the um, to the bus, it, w- it was fine. It has a little stops along the way, but it's, it's nothing to be afraid of. I really want to encourage people to use buses more. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There's a weird class distinction that goes on with buses. Oh, for sure. I don't quite fully understand. (laughs) No, I I get that too. Um, Bus. I had. I didn't have a bus experience this summer, but I flew Spirit Airlines, and it was the most diverse flight I've ever been on. They call it the Greyhound of the Sky. Yeah. Because (laughs) there were black people and Asian people and Latinos and Orthodox Jews. And I was just like, I was like, this is what travel should be. Yeah, it really should. And it seemed like there was mostly a lot of college students. Like, I mean, there were several instances where new people got on and they recognized someone on the bus. So that will give you an idea (laughs) of what the bus can be like. Um, But I found it really easy to get to. And in a way, it's a nice... It's a nice ride, you know. Michigan's beautiful. <laughs> Michigan is beautiful. Yeah. It's a beautiful mitten state. <laughs> so you obviously went in with some impressions of Detroit. So what were, what were your expectations? And then, like, which expectations were thwarted? <laughs> so I think I was ready for it to be just utterly abandoned and there's certain areas of the city that are <laughs> but the play I mostly stayed in Corktown which is kind of seen as one of the more thriving neighborhoods and to be honest it it was fine I I think it's very evident that Detroit is a city that was built for cars, though, because all their avenues are huge. Like, it's just like these grand boulevards where I'm sure at some point was, you know, like head to toe, just full of Oldsmobile or whatever <laughs> brands happen to be in Detroit. And now you you see very few cars on the road in general, which, make, which makes it a great city for biking, actually, um, because there's just never enough traffic to kind of put you in danger. On the other hand, though, the area where I stayed, I mean, people were walking around. People were on their bikes. There was a whole long strip of restaurants and bars, and that was great. On the other hand, my hostel was maybe two or three blocks away from that main strip and you would see lots of grass that had just taken over there isn't always street lights in some cases but it wasn't as bad as people made it out to be to be completely honest and if you go downtown it looks like any other city with any other facilities in the city I think it's only in the neighborhoods where you start to see kind of more of that idea of like the abandoned houses and the abandoned warehouses which you do notice, but it's it's not everywhere, right. I guess is my point. <laughs> yeah. There are areas like that in Chicago, too. Yes, exactly. Very desolate and abandoned and yeah. scary looking. And scary looking. I think there's some areas that are more scary looking than they are actually scary. I mean, I biked everywhere. The hostel I stayed in, which was called Hostel Detroit, offers bikes to the people who stay with them. And as I said, it's an excellent way of getting around. And one of the things I noticed, for example, is that people in Detroit tend to walk on the streets instead of the sidewalks because the sidewalks are super busted up. And a lot of times there's grass that's like grown over them. So that was a bit of a shock. But then in the more built up areas, 
it works like a normal city. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. It's like both it thwarted like my ex- my expectations and it also kind of solidified it. Like you do see urban play, but it's not all of it. And I never felt unsafe there. So yeah, <laughs> that's cool. Um, what was what was like the weirdest thing about Detroit? I think the weirdest thing is people are very friendly. <laughs> And I don't mean that I wasn't expecting them to be not friendly, but I think because it's a city that's been abandoned so much, they can almost tell immediately if you're not from there. And if they see you out and about, they're still the kind of town that will say good afternoon and good morning to you and how are you. And, you know, even though I consider Chicago to be an uber-friendly city, we still don't get that kind of interaction necessarily. Right. People look, yeah. take it from a good morning person. Yeah. It'll be really strangely <laughs> if you say good morning. Like, what do you want from me? <laughs> yeah. Uh, in terms of weirdness, you see... You see beautiful mansions that have been abandoned, and then you will go to streets where all those beautiful mansions are still alive and thriving and are still being inhabited. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) So that exists. Um, It's a city full of intense street art, so it's a lot more beautiful than people make it out to be. And I think just in general, there's kind of a grit to it, but it's more of a resilience. You... When you talk to people who still live in Detroit, they still feel very proud of their city and they still have faith in it. So there's like a nationalistic bent to Detroit, too. You know, don't mess with Detroit kind of thing. Yeah. Just like you don't mess with Texas. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> so like going off of that, you hear so much about the revitalization of Detroit and it's never like a neutral opinion. It's always like, oh man, all the artists and the restaurants. Right. <laughs> or like, oh, it's hopeless. Like, why would anybody want to come to Detroit? What do you think? Are there signs of hope or did you just see further decline? I saw signs of hope, but as with most places, it seems to be hope for a specific type of person. Oh, what kind of person is that? Uh, the NPR liberal tends to be white, upper middle class type of person. Oh. <laughs> Shocking! <laughs> so simple. Yeah. I'm glad I don't know any of those people. So this is kind of the lowdown I got on Detroit. You do see revitalization, and in a weird way, it almost feels like the Wild West, because the people I talked to, they would say how you could kind of go in there with like a thousand dollars in your pocket and start a business and because so much of it has been wrecked you can almost start anything and it will be considered new or needed you know so that's kind of one of the great things it's like instead of being one of a million cafes you are like the one cafe in a neighborhood you know you are the one farm to table restaurant on that street so in that sense it seems like there's a lot of open space and you know or open space to kind of create the businesses that would probably be way harder for a young person to create being in a larger city. And I think a lot of people see that as, you know, as to a certain point needed and good. There are some revitalization efforts being done by the city itself and also, you know, by centers and organizations to kind of get you know, back to startups and small businesses that will hopefully give employment to the greater Detroit area. 
Now, having said that, I also heard a lot of critiques about Dan Gilbert. And Dan Gilbert is the billionaire who I think is the owner of Quick Loans, among other things. Yes. He has he has basically been just buying property all over Detroit like crazy. And that has caused actually rental prices to go up. So I was talking to a guy who lives in Detroit and he was telling me how his how the rent on his one bedroom apartment was about a thousand dollars a month, which is similar to Chicago prices, except he said it was in a really crappy building with very little amenities, everything was completely run down, but because it was in a location that wasn't unsafe, they could charge those prices, you know, and I was kind of shocked at that because even though you see for sale signs and like all these lots and these kind of rundown houses that I'm sure you could probably buy for like $5, um, when it comes to places you can actually live, those tend to be comparable to, to Chicago, except you're not in Chicago. And I also heard from several people that um, there has been a lot of investment from the Chinese, but basically what they do is they will buy all these lots for very cheap and then hold on to them, like not develop it, not do anything in the hopes that in 10 or 20 years from now, when Detroit is back on its feet, they can sell it and make like, you know, a killing. But, you know, it seems that that's kind of the two opposing forces that are going on the one hand. If you have certain means, you can probably do something really cool in the city. On the other hand, the people who are still in the city and have been marginalized continue to be marginalized. Um, so, right, like they yeah. have farm-to-table dining, but no water in their homes. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, things like that. And, um, and I know the Quicken guy, I believe he hired his own private police force. So maybe I mean, I think I read this in the Atlantic or some other white NPR (laughs) farm to table eating publication. And I'm mocking myself as I say that Um, (laughs) that's me. But and then so the government has no incentive to make a better police force. And then he gets that control, too. Like, so not only does he own all the land, but he owns the security yeah, I've, I've, I've gone like, I've received a lot of intense, intense uh, talking to's about Dan Gilbert and his influence there. So I'm, I'm interested to see exactly what will end up of that. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> yeah. So what did you do? Like, what was your schedule? What did you see while you were staying there? So I, my first day I went to the Detroit Institute of Arts. Ooh, which is why I want to go to Detroit. Which I highly suggest. It's probably best known because there is a courtyard in the museum with murals of Diego Rivera, who is Frida Kahlo's husband, and also a very important Mexican muralist. He was commissioned to create these murals based on Detroit, and he toured the factories of the automobile industry to kind of inspire inspire his vision. He, he was a commie, so you see a lot of, like, you know, the working man. <laughs> the working man in it. But they're spectacular and they're amazing. And while I was there, they were holding an exhibit on dance in American painting, which oh. was also absolutely fascinating because they had, along with the paintings and the sculptures, you know, on this topic, they had also interviewed several dancers of different types of art forms in the state. So there was like a Native American dancing and there was swing dancing and ballet and um, 
you know, hip hop, all that kind of stuff. Um, so you could see all these videos and, and it was really good. And just the whole museum in itself has masterpieces of, of you know, Van Gogh and Monet. Yeah, just so. to give you an idea of the scale and the like magnificence of this museum, when Detroit first declared bankruptcy, there was talk of selling off all the art in the museum, and that would have taken them out of bankruptcy. Yes. So <laughs> it's not like a rinky-dink, like, oh, we have one Degas. Like, this is like... No, world-class museum, and the building itself is spectacular. Like, yeah. Like, Grandpa Ford was like, I'm going to donate a million Impressionist paintings to this museum. Like, that's just the scale of how much money was in Detroit when it was at its peak. Yes, and if you want to continue seeing how much money Detroit had at its peak, you can just cross the street and go to the main branch of the Detroit Public Library, which is also probably one of the most beautiful buildings I've seen in the city and probably one of the most beautiful libraries I've seen in the United States. They also have several uh, mural paintings just along its walls, and it's a really pleasant way to spend the afternoon kind of walking around and gawking at it you know all very art deco all very like classic Mm -hmm. classic architecture um the second day i biked around the downtown area and the riverfront and went through i'm going to botch the pronunciation of this but it's called the the quandary cut which is basically Railroad tracks that the city has restored and turned into a public park. So you can take your bike there, you can walk there. And the really cool thing about it is that most of the walls have paintings as well. Well, not paintings, sorry, uh, graffiti. They have a ton of street art commissioned by different street artists. So it's not only a great way to get some exercise, but you can also get all this visual stimulation. And I, I did that twice, actually. I liked it so, so much. And I also went to the Motown Museum. Ooh. I know. Tell us about that. Well, it's a it's a toured uh, experience. You know, they don't let you kind of go just go in. They take you around for one hour. But it was awesome. I mean, they show you the studios. They show you the house where the founder of Motown lived because he lived right above the studios. They have a ton of paraphernalia of of all your favorite Motown singers. And then in the end, they gather your little tour group and you sing My Girl in the studio so you can feel like one of the temptations. Oh, no way! I know! (laughs) It was actually really cool. That's amazing. (laughs) And the first studio they had was just like in the house's garage. And that's kind of where where you sing this. I mean, it was really like a bare bones operation until they struck gold with with talent. Right. (laughs) And that's where I became obsessed with Maxine Powell, who was the etiquette teacher for all the Motown artists. Because the vast, yes, I know she's my hero now. Because the vast majority of them were signed um, underage, and you know, as she liked to say, they they weren't particularly trained, <laughs> trained in the ways of charm. You know, they were they were just a little street, is basically what she was saying. <laughs> and so she was the one in charge of rearing them. You know, she taught the Supremes how to sit appropriately on a bar stool. Oh, my. And apparently, you know, she got some flack from that from them. They were saying, like, when will we ever sit on bar stools? We don't need to learn that. And she's like, you have to be prepared for everything. 
And cross your ankles and shut up. Exactly. And having said that, just a couple of weeks later, I think they were in some like night show where they had put bar stools for them to sit on, and that's when those lessons came into play. What? Did you know? Did you actually learn how to sit on a bar stool properly? Was there an illustrated guide? No, and I wish I could have asked because I still can't do it without <laughs> looking terrible and not ladylike at all. Well, I think only Diana Ross. Yes. Do it properly. Like, it's, it's not for mere mortals. No, no. It's only Diana Ross and Maxine Powell. And her whole goal was, you know, to train these people to to be so polite that they could even meet the Queen of England, which they did end up doing as well. I just love it. I love the idea of having this like auntie kind of following these mega stars around all over the country because she would go on the tours with them as well to make sure they were behaving. What? I know. I mean, guys, there is an HBO series idea here, and I just need to write it. Right? Get on that. I know. She didn't do very well, though, because Diana Ross did become pregnant by Motown founder Barry Gordy. I did not know this. And this was not something they told us on the tour. Well, they probably... (laughs) That's probably not something they want to publicize, but I'm doing it now. Oh, man. Well, Well, now I know what the... With the pilot episode of my <laughs> Maxine Powell uh, show is going to be. He was probably like, um, Maxine, go take a long lunch today. I'll, I'll teach her how to sit on a bar stool. Yeah. <laughs> and did he? No. Did he ever? Um, so that was my second day. My third day, I took a free art and architecture tour with the Detroit Experience Factory Tours, it's an organization that basically just wants to educate people on the wonders of Detroit. So they hold uh, free tours of different types, usually about an hour long. On our tour, we got to see the Spirit of Detroit, which is this like big sculpture of a man holding what looks like a globe, which um, some sports fans will know because I guess when Detroit wins championships or games or something, they will deck him out in the team's uniform. Ah. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. And we also went to see uh, the Guardian Building, which is one of the most impressive Art Deco buildings in Detroit. I think it's one of the largest completely exposed brick buildings in the world. And I walked around Greektown. This was not part of the tour, but, you know, just a shout out to the huge Greek community in the Detroit area. And then for my last day, I went to the Eastern Market, which is the very, very big and historic public farmer's market in the city, which was awesome because, you know, lots lots of good produce, lots of Midwestern produce and flowers and products, and also has an insane amount of uh, street art surrounding it. Wow. I found it to be a very artistic city. Like everywhere I went to was just surrounded by art, whether it was street art. Oh, and I forgot to mention the belt. The belt is this alley within the downtown uh, Detroit that has basically been taken over by really, really famous kind of uh, solidified street artists. And they have some that are permanent, and then they will also have showcases of, of new uh, graffiti artists in, in that little alley. It's just a little alley off on the side, but it's beautiful, and I took a million pictures there. So, I mean, lots to see and do, guys. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not, I was never bored. Right? It doesn't sound like it. No. <laughs> um, so, what did you eat? Oh, so in terms of eating, I got a ton of recommendations from a friend of a friend, Nick, 
who is from Detroit and is very nationalistic about Detroit. So <laughs> I kind of went off on his list. But first night, I had to go to Slow's Barbecue, which is probably one of the most well-known restaurants of Detroit. It was kind of, you know, one of those restaurants that talked about the revitalization of the city. Barbecue was really freaking good, highly suggested. Also went to Astro Coffee several times in the morning, which was a really nice bakery and cafe. It's one of the few places where I've had an avocado toast. Oh. Guys, I don't believe in buying avocado toast, but this one was worth it, and it really was not that expensive. I think it was about $5. Oh. And the, yeah, yeah, exactly. Normal prices. Right. Not, not an $18 monstrosity. Which is sweeping Chicago by storm. Yes. Just for the reference. But this avocado toast was worth it because they have, like, you know, they the, the fresh bread they make it with Ooh. is worth it. And that's kind of where I think... The value comes from because it's just really chunky country oh. French bread and really, really good coffee. I also went to Mercury Burger Bar. This is all in Corktown, by the way, and all near my hostel because I would just simply be really exhausted by the end of the day mm-hmm. <laughs> and just look <laughs> to see what was around. But Mercury Burger Bar is great, just, you know burger and shakes place in Corktown. The one fancy restaurant I went to was called Chartreuse, which is near the Detroit Institute of Arts. Uh, One of those very like farm to table, organic produce, new American type places. A Korean fusion type dish there. What are they called? Like the bibimbaps? Bibimbaps? Yeah. Uh So I had one of those, but with some sort of American fusion. I'm sure if you're Korean, you'll be horrified, but it tasted really good in my mouth. (laughs) So so I would say those are like my top recommendations in terms of, of food. And in terms of just drinking, which I didn't do much of because... Because I'm getting old, and right. I did a lot during the day. Take note, young travelers. Exactly. Drink, drink while your body can digest it. Yes. <laughs> but I do want to give a shout-out to uh, Motor City Brewing Company, which has really great pizza, but also a really good selection of beer. And also the Jolly Pumpkin, which also has an insane amount of beer, and they make their own type of beers as well. And then this place called Nancy's Whiskey, which was a dive bar about two blocks away from the hostel I was staying in. It's been around forever. Apparently, Nancy does not own it anymore, but she sold it to a friend to keep the spirit alive. Aww. Yes. And they give a shot of whiskey to newcomers, but, like, don't expect it. Because <laughs> uh, this was a sermon we kind of received after a few people at the hostel went there kind of demanding this free shot of whiskey. It's more one of those things where if you go and you're like, hey, I've never been here, they will offer it to you. Oh. But don't you dare go in saying, I was told you guys give me free shot of whiskey, where's my shot of whiskey? This is where Detroit gets its, like, grit, you right? know? Don't, don't go in there demanding crap. If they like you, they will give it to you. But it had a really good patio, and I like dive bars, so... That was good times. Yeah. (laughs) All right. We're going to close on a philosophical note, or this is my last question for you. Yes. So Detroit has been through a lot of trauma in the last 60 years, clearly, um, which you could see walking through downtown. 
How do you find this reflected and the vibe of the people and the city? Man, I don't know. I think they have faith in the city. To be honest, I have faith in the city. It, you still see people walking and trying and living and creating lives and, um, and art. And I think they know they've been through the worst. And I think they know that they can't really go back to what was working before, which was kind of relying on the auto industry, obviously. And I just, I just hope they can get to it. I... Despite all the problems and despite, you know, the fear that kind of all these new developments will be relegated to once again, just, you know, kind of the upper middle class demographic, I, I think they'll get over the hump, to be honest. Yeah. I don't know. I like to think so, because when you see the city, you don't, you don't feel like it's dying. You actually feel like it's, it's getting back on its feet. Yeah, I think that's, yeah, that's the feeling I left. I don't know, a city with so much heart, I just, there's like the Pollyanna of me where it's like a city that is this artistic can't just simply like wither away. Right? Yeah, that's not how it works. And it's just like the media too. You only see bad things on the media, which is why it's important to travel to places that are labeled bad or like uninhabitable because you come away with stories like this. Yes. And actually, just as a little side note of like weird things I heard about Detroit, Germans and Germany are obsessed with Detroit. What? And a lot of it has to do with the house, you know, with house music, which was developed both in Chicago and Detroit that somehow like made its way to Germany back in the 70s and 80s. And that's why like Germans are like techno fiends now. But they kind of see going to Detroit as a pilgrimage to almost like the roots of house. And... Another thing I heard in terms of investment is that apparently there's a lot of Germans coming in and investing, although instead of property, they're investing in like dance clubs and recording studios. And apparently they have some sort of like weird attachment to the city. So they're also helping out. So so we'll see what what Angela Merkel's people (laughs) will do to the city. Yeah, I know. Random. (laughs) Sorry. Just. Remembered that and figured I'd add it. Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I wonder if Detroit has any history of connection to Germany besides house music. Yeah, I don't know. Because <laughs> in terms of ethnic groups, it seemed like, you know, the the like the Greek community was pretty big. Yeah, Middle and, Eastern. Yeah, Middle Eastern, you know, and um, well, I mean, these aren't immigrant groups, but obviously like, you know, the African com- African-American community big. Um, but but when it comes to Germans, it just seems like they're really into house and they're really into visiting Detroit, at least according to the hostel I stayed in when I asked them, so what, who, who visits Detroit if it's not Canadians and Americans? Right. They immediately said Germans. Wow. Like, those are the ones we get. I feel like, and this is complete stereotype on my part, I feel like the Germans know things are cool before the rest of the world. It's true. (laughs) It is so true. So if you want to be as artsy-fartsy as as Berliners, now you know what your next destination should be. Go to Detroit. (laughs) Go to Detroit. (laughs) Well, it sounds like you had a lovely, lovely trip. I did. Um, Any other parting thoughts? No, honestly, I would... I would go back in a heartbeat, and I'm very surprised that most people don't go. It's it's fascinating. It's so easy to get to from Chicago. Um, and yeah, I mean, I really liked it to the point where I went online to see 
if I could apply for that like free house they give to writers、oh. program. So there's a program where you can apply, and if you're a writer and you get it, they give you a free house. Wow! But apparently, you have to like live in Detroit forever. Oh. <laughs> Or at least not forever. But they do make it very clear that it's for, like for a sustainable like amount of time, and I, it makes sense. You know, they want you to be part of the community and they want you to be part of its renaissance. But I could probably only take Detroit for a year. Yeah. Yeah. But why? Why is that? Just because it's a smaller city. I mean, I was gonna say it does. It doesn't reflect so much anything on Detroit as it does me. Like Chicago, which is not a small city. It's about two to three million people, and that's just within its borders.、Um, is about as small as I can get. Anything smaller than that, and I start to feel claustrophobic.、Um, but, but honestly, I don't know. Maybe, maybe once I've settled down a bit, I wouldn't. Detroit seems like a fine enough place. Doesn't、yeah. Patty Smith live in De- Detroit with her husband? Does she? I don't I know. She does with her husband, and she raised her kids there. Like after a while, after the Maplethorpe years,、um, <laughs> she settled down with a guy. I think he's from Detroit, and that's where she raised her her kid. That's interesting. I have no idea, but I do remember in an interview a while back where she told young artists stop flocking to New York, go to smaller cities, and I wonder if that comes from her experience in Detroit. Yeah, she kind、yeah. of fell off the radar for a while, and that's when she was raising her family. But、yeah. I believe it was in Detroit. Wow. All right, so there you go. Now you have all the credit in the world to go to Detroit. You have Berliners. Yeah. Yeah, Patty Smith. You have、uh, Frida Kahlo and Diego Rivera. Really liked it there, and now you have me. <laughs> <laughs> Adding to the canon, exactly. The and the Germans. Yes. <laughs> oh man! All right. Well, we actually have an announcement before we close out. Yes, several. Yes. So our first announcement is we're having a party. What? Saturday, October eighth, from seven to nine p.m. Volumes Book Cafe in the Bucktown slash Wicker Park neighborhood of Chicago will be hosting us, and we're having a live podcast recording. We are. It's the first time that we've done something like this. We don't know if it's going to work. No, we're terrified. <laughs> Which you know adds to the excitement, but it's going to be Inez and. And I will be reading some some travelers' tales based on the theme "Out of Place," and we're going to be joined by Samina Mustafa, who is a Chicago comedian,、um, and she hosts a showcase called Simmer Brown, which was just written up in the Chicago Tribune. Yeah, and it's really really good. So see her before she leaves. Yeah. <laughs> and then we have Danette Chavez, who writes for the AV Club,、uh, a very talented writer who will also be reading. So that's exciting. We will be maybe dressed for the occasion in evening gowns, aka dresses left over from our brother's weddings. Exactly. <laughs> Come wear yours. Yes. And then on the more、uh, local front, or I guess not as exciting front, but still exciting. Very exciting. We have a newsletter coming up. So if you want to receive our first installment, please sign up. There's a sign up form on our Facebook page, and you can also find it on our website. We'll, we will not be spamming you. It will literally just send you our latest podcast episodes, our blog posts, some favorite travel articles, and inspiration to get you guys going. And you can also find us always on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at XX Will Travel. 
And, like, one of the cool things about interacting with us via the newsletter <laughs> and via the party is you get to see our faces. Yes. Because, you know, our faces are, are not heavily featured in our many <laughs> social media media um, channels because we prefer to let the locations do the talking. <laughs> um, but I was sitting, I was, Inez was doing a reading here at the bookseller in Chicago, and I was sitting next to um, a friend named Lindsay Wall who listens to the podcast, and she kept looking at me, and she was like, it's so weird to, like, because I know your voice. Like, I listen to your voice. And then she didn't know who Inez was, but Inez started reading, and she was like, that's Inez. Like, I know that's her. (laughs) So come match the faces. Show us your faces. We'll show you ours. Yes, and if you'd like to send us some fan art of what you think we look like, because this has become my new obsession. It's like this and Maxine Powell. Uh, you can send it to us at xxwilltravel at gmail.com and also send us your thoughts, your tips, your travel recommendations. Have you been to Detroit? Did you think it was an apocalyptic wasteland and I'm just spewing lies? Yeah. Uh, let us know, or if you loved it, let us know as well. Yeah, and I think my goal for fan art is to get as much as people... As many representations as Barb from Stranger Things. Yes. There's some great fan art of Barb. Oh, my God. And I'm jealous. Long live Barb. Barb! We're coming for you! Um, so yeah, so we're super excited for this new season. And as always, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, find us on Podbean, Stitcher, and Google Play. Yay! Yay. And until then, please watch Stranger Things <laughs> and... Send us your opinions about them, about it, and go forth and travel.